Welcome to the Defining Leaders podcast. Defining Leaders was founded by the idea that together is better. We started as a virtual community that worked together to help develop and lift each other up, helping to boost one another's careers and make work a better place to be. We wanted to grow that community, so we decided to bring it here. I'm your host, Kristen Gupta, the connector of people. And this is Defining Leaders, where together is better. Welcome listeners to a new series for our Defining Leaders podcast. So we just had our Leadership Excellence series. We had a little session on mastering virtual events last week. And now we've entered into our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion series. And we'll have these events for the next six podcast events that we have. So today's topic is defining diversity, equity, and inclusion. So when we talk about, as many people put this in the terms of DEI, I've heard feedback from a lot of people of what do these things even mean? What does diversity mean? What does equity mean? That's one that we talked about in our breakout room during our Defining Leaders event today. And then what does inclusion mean and what's the difference between the three? So we really wanted to dig a little bit deeper before we enter into some of the ways to get these started in our organizations or in our personal lives. We wanted to find out what do they actually mean? And so we read off actually some of the definitions that Harvard University has put on these. And then we discussed what they mean to us in our personal lives and some of our stories around them. Today, I'm joined by a few co-hosts that are going to continue the conversation. So Chris Giantoli, did I pronounce that correctly, Chris? Actually, it's Gintoli. Gintoli. All right. Chris Gintoli is joining us. Sheila Beekle. Hello, Sheila. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. And Jonathan Heider. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. All of them have joined us for our conversation today on definition of the terms diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we talked about a few terms today. So the first term that we started with was bias. And then we also talked about diversity and diversity in relation to inclusion was something that was discussed quite a bit. And then in my small group, we talked about equity. But what of these really spoke to you, to our co-hosts today? What, what really spoke to your heart and made you want to stay and discuss in the podcast? Go ahead, Sheila. The important thing in our group, we talked about each one of those things, but within an organization, what we really emphasized is that it becomes really part of the culture. And we kept going back to the culture, the culture, the culture. And even if you have the culture at the lower levels, if it's not pervasive at the upper levels, if it's not part of the management's thought process values, if it's not part of the company as a whole, it's not going to matter. So, you know, at the worst, not the very worst, are you willing to forego profit? Are you willing to forego a client if they don't agree with these things? Are you willing to actually create something as mundane as when you create uh, swag? Are you willing to have men's shirts and women's shirts, things like that? Really make it pervasive in your environment. And that's what made me kept going back to it and say, unless it's really adopted, it doesn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. It's not just about who you bring into your organization. It's how welcoming you are to the people you bring in and making them feel at home or welcome as well. 
Chris, what, what stood out to you? Our group talked more about microaggressions and microaffirmations. I had never heard the term microaffirmation. I think our whole group didn't. And I couldn't even think of an example. And one of the members gave an example. And I thought, well, that's just diplomacy that you ask somebody their opinion or invite them into the conversation and being a good leader. But maybe that doesn't happen everywhere. Sometimes these things can be assumed, but don't really exist everywhere. Or sometimes we don't see them because they don't affect us. And so we don't see what might be happening under the surface because of another thing that came up quite a bit, which was unconscious bias. Jonathan, what were you going to say? Well, on that same uh, concept of uh, assumptions comes a concept of like language and um, how we perceive people. And so there's like this cultural fit, this cultural norm um, that we're used to. And sometimes that it's not meant to come off as a microaggression. It's not uh, meant to come off in a disrespectful manner. But because we're taught in such a way to say certain terminologies and make certain assumptions that our assumptions then come off as microaggressions. And how do we avoid that? How do we learn that? And it's just simply kind of through education as a whole as to what are the best ways, what are the best practices to not come off as microaggressions, but to come off as even flipping the script as microaffirmations and respect towards a person and thanking them for being part of the community and thank you for sharing and giving a better understanding of your background. Jonathan, if I may just build on that, we talked about living the values that are espoused in DEI and if need be posting them to remind people and making sure that it is pervasive throughout the organization because you can do the microaggressions and micro what are they microaffirmations and Chris I hadn't heard of that term either that's new for me but I appreciate learning it if there aren't people who are doing the see something say something it's going to not be throughout the organization you need to support these initiatives yeah no absolutely and I think that's part of it is then it's it's then supporting and when people do start the microaffirmations and showing the respect towards people of different backgrounds then that it is acknowledged even at the higher levels as well to create that culture, create that environment. Absolutely, Sheila. I, I kind of definitely see where you're coming from with that as well. So I'm in the middle of reading the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And one of the things that she talks about in Radical Candor and her whole point in this book is care personally and challenge directly. Sometimes what's missing from our leaders because of unconscious bias often, or a hope to not show microaggression, is the challenge directly component. When an, a leader, specifically often a white male or sometimes a female even, is leading people, they may be afraid to challenge directly or give direct feedback of something that somebody could do to improve because they're afraid that this may come across as microaggression or because they're afraid this might make this person cry or they don't want to come across as sexist or these types of things. Can you see or think of in this type of situation, you're hurting that person by not giving that feedback versus helping that person. You're only in short term helping yourself. Has this happened to any of you or do you agree with this thought process that Kim, Kim brings up in this book? 
hurting them by not giving the feedback. I think that does make sense, but I think there's also needs to be an environment where we can also create a thicker skin, not to ignore it, but to have the conversation as well. I understand that people's feelings will be hurt, but hopefully if you have a culture that creates conversations from that kind of opportunity, that it will make it a healthier environment. And so these things will improve. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? I think through the education and training, I think, you know, when Sheila, you said, you know, thicker skin, I think we can create an open environment where people are welcome to their feedback and to not be taking it in a, a negative way, but in a constructive way that, you know, we can learn from that situation. And by creating a more open environment and being more inclusive and understanding the individuality of the people, that way, you know, I don't want to say you thicken the skin, but you uh, create an open door that allows for a better constructive feedback where you're not hurting people's feelings, but we are learning how to be better as as people, as a society, as a community, as an organization. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate the change in terms. Thicker skin can be replaced by an open door. Thanks. And one of the things that Kim mentions before she even gets to this topic in the book is in order to be radically candid or care personally and challenge directly, is you have to be accepting of feedback yourself. It does not work one directionally. And so accepting a feedback to those that you may have unconscious bias and you're trying to uncover this unconscious bias. So asking for help from the other individual without, and I, Jonathan, I'm going to have you define tokenism for me because this has been very helpful for me with your definition from planning these events. But as you're looking to improve on this scale, getting feedback from those that report to you makes it much easier to then also provide feedback to them, right? So bringing it back to the tokenism piece, Jonathan, you had brought this up when we were planning and talking about inviting some experts on this. Be careful of tokenism. Can you describe what tokenism is for those that are listening to maybe help them to be careful and be wary of this as well? Yeah, I mean, kind of, there's a lot of different, you know, actual factual dictionary definitions. But when it comes to tokenism, it's simply taking somebody and utilizing their minority status in one way and asking them as if they are the expert for that entire minority group and expecting them to answer upon that minority group and relying on them in such a way that is not valuing them as an independent person, but valuing them only as their minority. So for example, bringing on a person who may be gay and having them lead all the conversations relating to LGBTQIA um, and having that conversation and only asking them when it comes to those topics rather than, well, tell me about your personal experience. Tell me about you. You're expecting them to speak on behalf of an entire society. And not only is the concept of being expected to speak on an entire society, they're never asked if that is something they are comfortable with. They're never put in a situation that they say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with this. You know, this is what I do for a living. I love to, you know, speak on this. It's put in this uncomfortable situation to speak on behalf of a culture that they were not expecting to speak upon. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think that's it's helpful for us and our listeners as well, because sometimes a lot of these words are thrown at us and we don't necessarily know what they actually mean. So it's helpful for us to know some of these definitions behind these terms. 
we will be putting in our show notes some of the definitions that we were able to see from what Harvard University has come up with around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I'll be uh, posting those in the show notes as well. But was there any definition that you learned today that helped you to maybe look at this in a different light? Sheila? I'm going to say this tokenism one, Jonathan. I have never heard it described so cleanly and precisely. And it makes the most sense to me right now in light of my whole discussion with my group about creating a culture where everyone is appreciated, make sure, making sure it's pervasive and make sure it's supported and decisions are made based on that. But making sure it's an individual, you don't need to represent a whole group. I don't need to represent all the white women or even all the women or all the boomers or whatever. I get to show up as an individual and whatever my contributions are. So thanks for asking, Kristen. But I got to say, Jonathan hit the mark on this one. Tokenism, that's a new one. It's not new for me. The definition has been never been more precise for me. And this is a brief commercial, let's say, for the event that Jonathan will have in a couple of weeks on individuality versus diversity and the difference between the two. Chris, is there something that stood out to you today? Um, I would say I'm just here to learn and listening. It's great. And I, I do appreciate how Jonathan defined tokenism. And I want to be able to be better and bring that to organizations from the HR side, human resources department, so to speak. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you. Jonathan, anything that stood out to you? I think one other thing that was brought up in our, our group that I think was also important is besides being, you know, someone in the minority, also look at the people who are in the majority and kind of knowing kind of some of the struggles that they're going through. I think that was something that also was important um, to be respected is that there's a lot of hesitation from people in the, the you know, the majority if if you are a, you know, white cis male or a white cis female and you represent the majority and you're trying to come off in a respectful way and that there is a little bit of a struggle right now in society for them to be able to vocalize. I think it's important for those in the minority um, to respect them as well, to say that they're trying. Um, I think it's, you know, there's definitely the struggle where you're trying to say the right thing as if someone who is who may be privileged are trying to word something in such a way that they're trying to not come from a place of privilege. In a lot of examples, they are trying to come off respectful to people and minorities and for uh, people who may be part of a minority group to understand that they are trying. You know, language is tough, um, especially with the different linguistic terminologies in different communities, whether it's race or gender or sexuality or religion or anything like that, there's a lot of different terminologies to learn. And so understand that even though someone may be privileged in a situation and be part of the majority, that they are also sometimes struggling to respect and understand another person's minority. I just wanted to say something based on what Jonathan just said. My daughter is a high school senior, and I think that that generation has a very fluid idea of gender. And she said the same thing to me about, at least you're trying, at least you're trying to remember how they personally want to be referred, even if it, you know, like the she, her, after your name, or whatever you feel most comfortable with. I think that's great that she, my high school senior is teaching me and coaching me on how to be a better person when it comes to at least trying to identify the individual. Right. 
Chris, I think a part of this is being uncomfortable, getting into the uncomfortable, because the biggest part of DEI, in my perspective, is being okay that people are different, that people have different perspectives, that people are coming from different walks of life. And just because this is right for me doesn't mean it's right for all. Everybody's right might be different. Everybody's experiences might be different and that's okay. There is no one way anymore. There are so many different ways. And as long as we're okay being in something uncomfortable because it's not our right necessarily, then we're on a path to Chris, like you said, at least trying and asking the questions, right? And and hopefully the people that we're trying to understand, see that piece as well. So anything to say in closing, Sheila? I appreciate some clarity on this because it's really easy at this point to maybe have gotten tired of the topic. Oh, I'm diverse. It, it's, it's kind of like talking to my daughter, she's 22, and saying, oh, there's still biases against women. And my daughter says, well, no, they're not. That's all done. Like, oh, yes, it is. So I appreciate that this particular topic has allowed me to re-energize my thought about it. The definitions themselves, thank you, Jonathan, for the tokenism definition. I'm talking to my daughter about that one. And I appreciate that I don't, I really, it's not time to be tired of the topic. We're not done. We're not, we may not be done, but we're not done. The, the topic, you're right, Sheila, is very pervasive, meaning it's pretty much everywhere, especially if you're in HR. I mean, I get two to three emails a week on DEI, but are we paying attention to it? And are we paying attention to the scale that we're on or is it becoming noise to us because is it affecting me right now? When it affects us, like if we have a complaint, especially a filed complaint, Chris, you understand this, then we really need to look into this and we need to dig into this. But if it's not something that is poking us constantly, is this something that's becoming noise? And instead of listening to it and making the changes that hopefully we can make to be more accepting and understanding and to break down some of the barriers that are there, are we just plateauing on this because we keep hearing it? Good point, Sheila. Let's not make it noise. Let's listen to it because we see that it does affect people, including ourselves. Uh, Chris, anything to add in closing? No, I just appreciate all that we've shared today. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris. I know that this was your first podcast with us and you did a great job as well. And I hope you'll come back to continue the conversation as well. Jonathan, any anything to share? Yeah, I'll, the only thing I have to share is whether you're part of the minority or part of the majority, that you're always learning about a different minority or a different group, um, and to continue to educate yourself on terminology, language, um, and overall kind of respect for their culture. You're never done learning just because you may be a minority in one group. You're a majority when it comes to another group. So please continue to learn and educate yourself on other groups and their um, background information. So this is a topic that I really want to encourage our listeners to participate on as well. Please comment below and share some of your experiences on this when it comes to this topic and join us in the next five events that we have in this series as well. 
because as, as Sheila said, it does tend to be very pervasive, meaning it's everywhere and therefore sometimes just noisy. But if you participate in the conversation, you learn a lot more and we get an opportunity for, to learn from you and your real life experiences as well. So again, please do comment, share and participate in this topic as well. Thank you guys so much and have a great day. Thank you for joining us for Defining Leaders, where together is better. Become a part of our community where you can find out more about defining yourself as a leader. The link to join is in the show notes.